Hey everybody, happy holidays. This is Meredith Miller from Inner Integration with a special message for you to end this year and bring in a new one. Wherever in the world you are and whatever holidays you celebrate this time of year, I wanted to put this special podcast episode out there to connect with you on a more personal level. I have some holiday wishes for you, some end-of-the-year exercises to recommend, and then I also want to let you know about what's coming to Inner Integration in 2019. Can you believe it's almost 2019 already? It seems like every year goes faster. Maybe it does, since time is actually relevant and not a constant. Time doesn't pass, we pass through time-space. Many years ago, I was teaching English to foreigners, and I had a Japanese client who told me that our perception of time does appear to speed up with every year, because the older we get, we divide one year by the years we are old. And what we get is a percentage of our life that each year represents. So when you're 40, one year is 1 40th of your life. When you're 20, a year is 1 20th of your life. When you're 5, a year is 1 5th of your life. And when you're 1 year old, one year is 100% of your life. So if you're thinking, man, this healing journey after narcissistic abuse is going to take a year or two, what the fuck? That's like forever. Remember, time appears to be moving faster every year. So if this is your year one or year two of the recovery process, remind yourself that this year will go faster than last year and the year before and so on. Remind yourself also that everything is daunting when you first start it. Everything starts small. As one of my favorite mentors, Brendan Burchard, says, you have to start somewhere. Everything big started small at one point. Maybe you've recently gotten no contact with an abuser, and you're just starting to take steps forward in your recovery process. Great job. Don't worry about the time investment that you're about to make in order to heal yourself from the past. Redirect your mind to focus on the importance of starting. You'll never get there if you don't start. So that's actually the most important step in the process. Then you've got to remind yourself that it's okay to start small. Start taking steps forward. Even baby steps forward are steps in the right direction. Baby steps forward are much better than any kind of step backward. When the road ahead looks long, exhausting, and complicated, remind yourself that for whatever reason, here you are now. Resisting that is only going to cause friction, holding you back from moving forward, or worse yet, tempting yourself to give up and go backward. Lean into the discomforts of wherever you are right now in the recovery process. The good news is that it's right where you need to be right now, and it's a point along the way to where you want to get. I encourage you to look back at 2018 and do an end-of-the-year exercise to prepare yourself for next year. 2018 was a bitch, wasn't it? But it also brought some powerful transformation. It was worth the struggle and the pain. Now we have the opportunity to allow those lessons to serve us in the years to come. What were the top three most painful lessons you learned this year? For me, these lessons all came through interpersonal relationships. This is the domain of learning in the thriving stage, the third stage of the recovery, which I talked about in my book, The Journey. I couldn't have learned any of these lessons on my own and not leaving my apartment. Each one of them were painful lessons to learn, but just as valuable for my growth. 
I want to share these personal lessons with you because maybe somewhere in there, there's some kind of gem or value for you to extract from my lesson. The first painful lesson I learned in 2018 was stop loving people who don't love you back. Unrequited love isn't romantic. It's pathetic. It's so sad and heart-wrenching. It may be that great poetry came out of the aching, longing heart that loves someone who doesn't love them back. But damn, I don't want to live like that anymore. And I'm not just referring to narcissists, psychopaths, etc. This could happen with people who don't have a disorder of the conscience. People who simply don't love you or can't love you, at least not in the way that you define love. A year ago right now, I was ghosted by a Mr. Nice Guy type after four months of seeing each other multiple times a week. Everything was great on Christmas Eve. It was like a normal day, except for all the cooking and eating and binge movie watching. But what I didn't know was that he was hiding a big secret that he didn't have the courage to tell me. Christmas Day, he said he was taking his guitar to restring it. In that moment, my gut sank, and I knew he wasn't coming back. But that gut feeling didn't make any sense, since he was acting like everything was fine. So Christmas Day he left, and never came back. On New Year's Eve, the denial finally broke through, and I realized he was gone. I was devastated that he didn't just have the conversation with me. We had a tender relationship for those four months. I spent New Year's Eve crying and singing heartbreaking songs loudly to purge the pain in my heart. I knew it was a sign of the energy and lessons that I would learn in 2018, so I knew more challenges were coming. I ended up emailing him in the first few days of the year to say that I understood it was over and that's fine, but I think that was a cowardly and indecent way to end four months of physical and emotional intimacy that we shared, especially how he lied to me when I asked about the guitar. I thanked him for the moments we spent together, and I'll always be grateful that he let my dog Venus and I stay with him for almost a week after the bad earthquake here, and we had to evacuate our building. We literally would have been sleeping in the park like a lot of other people if it weren't for him, so I really couldn't be that mad at him. He wrote back to thank me for speaking bravely and with clarity for the both of us. He told me he got a job offer in Asia, and he just didn't know how to tell me, so he didn't. He said it would be better for me to find someone who could be here with me and Venus. That was that. Then a month later, right before he was leaving for Asia, I saw him online dating and lying about his age by five years. I learned that Mr. Nice Guy, while not a narcissist, is still a manipulator because he tells you what you want to hear and he doesn't have the courage to speak the truth when it matters most. It made it easier to let him go. You can never have a deep connection with someone like that. If love for you is about having a deep connection with someone based on truth and authenticity, then you've got to be willing to let go of anything that doesn't meet your standards. Sometimes, when devastating things happen, it's for the best. It's usually only in retrospect that we realize why it happened. Delayed gratitude. Thank you for the lesson. The second most painful lesson I learned this year was The right person at the wrong time is still the wrong person. This could be the person who, for whatever reason, is still stuck in the past pain of heartbreaks or their longing for someone else they once had or never had. A man I met in early 2018 had many qualities I was looking for in a life partner, but after a few months I found myself again in the position of loving someone who wasn't really available. His signals revealed signs of depression, not personality disorders. 
After some research, I realized that men show depression quite differently than women. Women will usually straight up tell you they're depressed and sad. Women are more likely to get help. Men show different symptoms, which often look more like irritability, anger, and substance abuse. When you're on the other end of that, it can seem like that person is upset at you or like you did something wrong, but it's not about you. It feels like a personal rejection, but it's actually about them and where they're at. Maybe you could see what a wonderful person they are behind their suffering, but how much more of your energy and time do you want to spend trying to help someone else heal so you can connect with them, especially when they don't even seem to want help or a deep connection? You could be anyone, and it still wouldn't work with that person at that time because they're not open or available to anything other than where their mind and heart are currently at. You can't change their mind for them. Don't try. You can't love them out of their fantasies, illusion, and pain without losing yourself. You can only decide that you're worthy of someone who is ready to dedicate themselves to you and wants to make time and create experiences to connect with you here and now. You can only walk away when you know they're a good person and maybe even seemingly what you're looking for in many ways, if only... And when the if-only clause comes out, you know that's just not the right person for you. It's okay, because even though that's not your person, it gives you hope that good people with qualities you're looking for exist. And it helps you to clarify to the universe, more finely tuned, what it is that you want. Sometimes we just need to be more specific in our prayers and intentions. The third most painful lesson I learned in 2018 was own your reality like a badass motherfucker. Last summer, I dated a man for a month who turned out to be a manipulator. Even the most covert ones expose themselves after a few weeks or a month because they can't hide long in the light of awareness. The really covert ones are hard to spot at first, but they are unmistakable upon being revealed. He offered me the opportunity to observe clearly how when you call a person out for gaslighting, the following sequence will typically happen. Minimize, rationalize, blame shift. It can be super subtle at first, so it's best to listen the first time you see it. This will be a pattern, and you don't need to go through the learning experience again. As soon as someone does that minimize, rationalize, blame shift, otherwise known as the DARVO response, which is an acronym that stands for deny, attack, and reverse victim and offender, just end it. If you haven't seen the video I did on DARVO, by the way, look that up. You might get a lot of value out of that. So this isn't a three-strike rule kind of thing. This is a one-and-done deal. The telltale sign is how they attack you and flip it around. There's no rationalizing with someone like that. There's no second chances for someone like that because they just told you. They don't think they did anything wrong. In fact, they think you're wrong and you can count on them to do it again. Own your reality and don't second guess yourself because that is the exact opportunity every manipulator is looking for. Part of owning your reality is about having zero expectations, but having standards that are high as fuck. When we have expectations that a person will be this or that, those beliefs can distort our perception of reality about that person. It may cause us to see what we want to see and not truly see the other person. We can miss important warning signals along the way when we have expectations. When you have no expectations, you allow the person to reveal themselves. And when they do, you will believe them. 
just like Maya Angelou said. Having standards that are high as fuck is what holds your integrity and self-worth intact. All the work you do on rebuilding your self-worth in the first and second stage of healing is the preparation for you to put it into practice in the third stage when you're meeting new people and their actions test your self-worth and your self-trust. In stage three, your growth comes through interpersonal relationships. You'll have to risk yourself a bit in order to grow. Your standards protect your self-worth because they determine what you will tolerate and not. When you're in the moment where you either need to believe yourself or believe the person in front of you who's gaslighting you, your self-worth is the motivation behind your self-trust and the decision to cut them off immediately because you know that you're worthy. You know you deserve better than that. You know you don't want to be interacting with someone who makes you question your sanity, your perception of reality, and your value. You are owning your reality when you stand by it assertively. So what were your three big painful lessons this year? I encourage you to journal about that. Write them down. Also include the anecdotes of how you learned those lessons because it makes it real for you. These painful lessons are the kind we want to avoid repeating. So it's best to pay attention, articulate them, and extract the lesson to keep yourself moving forward. I also recommend you look at the three best moments of 2018 and what you learned from them. These are the moments that gave you motivation to keep going in the healing journey. The best experience I had in 2018 was speaking my truth to my dad, truly for the first time. My dad's health took a turn for the worst in early 2018, right when I had submitted my residency visa for renewal and couldn't leave the country without major complications for the next two months until it was completed. I got up there to see him in April, and he agreed to come out with me so I didn't have to see my mother. We were able to connect more than ever before, and I was so grateful for that time with him. Even so, we had still been maintaining a superficial relationship where neither of us really spoke our truth in order for us to stay in contact until some recent events involving my cousin took place and I asked my dad directly about them. That stirred up some uncomfortable truths. He said to me at one point, you're way too hard on mom. That's dangerous to my sanity. It's a minimization of the abuse and a blame shift to me. So I took a few weeks to write an email to him in which I laid out my cards of truth on the table like never before. Then I asked him where that leaves us. I figured that would be the end, that he would either say more things that made me realize I couldn't be in contact with him, or that he would be upset at me for speaking my truth about my mother's abuse and his co-signing of it. But none of that happened. He apologized for lying to me, and he said he wanted to have a relationship with me, that he'd like to hear how my dog and I are, but he doesn't want to talk about my mother. All of this was unfolding as I was understanding this was a key piece of the puzzle left to resolve so I could attract Mr. Wright. I knew I had to speak my truth to my dad, whether I would lose him or not, because I want to have a dedicated relationship and deep connection with a man based on authenticity and truth. I can feel something shifted, and I'm already seeing signs of that all around me. The second best thing that happened in 2018 was turning fabulous 40. Last March, I turned 40 and spent several days on my favorite beach in the Mayan Riviera, turquoise still waters and soft white sand. Every birthday and trip around the sun is a growth cycle. It's your personal new year. I see my birthdays like a yearly introspective checkup, reevaluation, and 
upgrade to a new perspective or way of being in the world. This year was no exception. As a kid, my birthdays sucked. My parents almost always went on vacation that week. It was my dad's annual work retreat, and I'm pretty sure my mother loved to miss my birthdays, especially while having the perfect excuse to still look good. In a way, it was a blessing not to have to spend my day with her. But nonetheless, that set me up for decades of disappointing birthdays where people didn't show up for me. In the last decade or so, I started traveling alone on my day or even just hiding away from the world at home because I figured it's much better to purposely set out to enjoy my day alone rather than count on someone who could disappoint me. It was one of those overprotection defense mechanisms to avoid rejection that eventually, in the recent years, developed into a self-love ritual. 2018 turned out to be the best birthday of my 40 years. When I arrived to the hotel, people kept asking me, did you come here alone? Yes, and why is that such a big deal? Maybe it just seems weird in this traditional culture of Mexico where people don't like to be alone, or maybe it's more of a global thing to feel sad for people who are alone. Nowadays, I embrace my alone time as a valuable self-care opportunity, and it also makes me really appreciate the time that I spend with loved ones. The hotel staff surprised me with so much sweetness, detalles as they call it here. They moved me up to the penthouse and made a multi-layered cake design out of towels, tissues, and bougainvillea flowers, surrounded by balloons and streamers on my bed. They sang to me, gave me a piece of cake and a shot of tequila, with a round of hugs and offers to take me out for drinks. Lejos de su casa, pero en casa con su familia aquí, they said. Far from your home, but at home with your family here. True to the paradoxical nature of life, where everything we experience is defined in terms of its opposite, to know incredible joy is also to know devastating sadness. We cannot know one without the other. The afternoon of my birthday, I watched a man get dragged out of the ocean with a blue face. Two strangers saw him in the undercurrent and went to his rescue. Nurses ran up from the beach crowd, and along with the lifeguards who later arrived, they took turns doing CPR on him for over 40 minutes before covering him with the blanket. He died just 15 feet away from my beach chair. There were over a hundred people surrounding the scene, all of us holding our breath. Yet that man was all alone. He went for a swim, and just like that, he was gone from this world, and the only ones to witness it were strangers contemplating our own mortality in that impactful moment. It was the fact that he was alone that really got me, and then I understood all the questions about why I was alone. Watching the scene unfold, I asked myself why no one was looking after that man, why no one was there with him, loving him. It's said that we all come into this world alone and we die alone. At the same time, we're never truly alone in this life because everything is singing, dancing, and breathing together in this cosmic symphony, but that's easy to forget at times. The incredible thing was that perfect strangers rescued him from the sea and gave everything they could to try to revive him. Sometimes it's the perfect strangers who give us what our own families cannot. This is why I believe that familia is chosen and not necessarily passed through blood. Sometimes it's people you've known for years or a lifetime, and other times it's people you meet in passing as if it were fated, but either way the feeling of family is there. Live in love like it's your last day here because you never know when that inevitable moment of departure arrives for you or for someone that you care about. Appreciate the painful experiences too because those are the ones that teach you gratitude 
for the joyful moments. My third favorite experience of 2018 was working with a love life coach for six months. I chose to work with Michelle Marchant Johnson, and she's wonderful. We'll have her on video sometime soon. In the first few months of 2018, I read over 50 books on dating and relationships. When I research something, I tend to really investigate the topic. I knew my growing edge in 2018 was on learning everything I could about dating and relationships. There were over a dozen authors and coaches in the list of books I read and videos I watched, so I debated over who to hire. I chose Michelle because she seemed gentle and authentic. I knew she was going to be real with me, and she did not disappoint. She helped me with some strategies for meeting the kind of men that I would be interested in. You know, like attending events and actually leaving the house since I work from home and tend to spend most of my time here. But mostly, she helped me work on the inner shifts that needed to take place so I can attract my Mr. Right, and also on clarifying my standards so I could protect my self-worth and show up as a high-value woman. After the process we went through during those six months, I have a new level of confidence and clarity about myself and what most matters to me in relationships, now as a result of working with her. I can see how that is already changing things for the better. So what were your top three experiences of 2018, and how did they serve you? I encourage you to journal this, to really write this down. These might seem like corny exercises, but what you're going to find is a lot of value in here, and it's going to save you from repeating lessons over and over again. It's also going to encourage you to be more aware in the moment as we start this new year to see what amazing things are on the horizon for you. I launched this podcast about six months ago in the summer of 2018 due to the nudge my virtual assistant gave me. I'm so glad I did. I finally got my tiny home studio set up after I moved where I can record podcasts so the sound quality should be noticeably better now. Sorry for the awful quality of sound in some of the earlier episodes. I'm learning and in 2019 I'm aiming to make it even better. Stay tuned for our bi-weekly new podcast episodes, and on the other weeks, be sure to check out the bi-weekly new video posted on YouTube. You might have noticed for the last couple years that I've also been doing videos in Spanish on YouTube. That part of the audience is growing, so in 2018, I've been working with my translator, who's also my Mexican brother from another mother, to translate all my materials to Spanish. The translation of my book, The Journey, was published in May. In Spanish, it's called La Travesia, and it's also available on Amazon. Right now, I'm working on the website, the email campaign, and all of my courses that I'm re-recording in Spanish in order to launch Inner Integration in Español in January 2019. So if you're a Spanish speaker or know someone who is, let them know to find our new social media pages in Spanish on Facebook. It's Inner Integration in Español. And on Instagram, Inner underscore Integration ESP. After three years of doing one-on-one coaching with clients, as of mid-December, I'm no longer doing one-on-one sessions. I'm currently in the transition to a one-to-many model for 2019 and beyond. While I loved connecting with survivors and seeing the relief they experienced after sessions, then seeing them put into practice their action plan and transform their lives, I made this decision because my schedule was filling three or four weeks in advance, and working closely with people on heavy emotional issues was very energetically draining, so the rest of my week, I didn't really have anything left in my bucket of energy for other people. 
I decided that in 2019, I want to work with groups in a monthly program in order to maximize my time and energy investments, to encourage camaraderie and support among survivors, and to have more energy for meeting Mr. Wright, as well as more social experiences, instead of always being at home working. Due to the heavy amount of work I have on my plate right now to get everything ready for the Spanish launch, our monthly group program will start in February of 2019 to allow me enough time to prepare and bring my best. Stay tuned for more announcements about that in upcoming videos or podcast episodes. It's called The Mental Ninja Mastery, and you are going to love it. Happy New Year and big hug to you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Inner Integration Podcast. I hope you learned something today that helps you see from a new perspective so you can take new action and transform your life after narcissistic abuse. Remember, you are enough, you matter, and you got this. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to get automatic updates on new podcast episodes as they're released. Visit us online at www.innerintegration.com where you'll get a free three-part video course when you enter your name and email on the homepage. Get loads of more free content to help you heal after narcissistic abuse on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Big hug to you.